The following program is brought to you by the 511 Media Group. This program is available on iTunes, Spotify, the 511 Media Group YouTube channel, and 511mediagroup.com. Welcome back, Spookles and Witches, uh, to another Lights Out podcast. We are excited this week. Um, we have broke our all-time record for downloads. Um, so thank you, everyone, for that and the continuous support. Um, and today, we're back to our normal serial killer files yeah, here. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing this, and I'm like, this is just going to be bad. I can we already were, tell. We were sitting in Daily Project, just like talking about like all the gruesome stuff. We're like, yeah, you know, he did this. And I was, I'm like, we I were wonder. at dinner last night, like doing some of this and talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't talk about um, like people being made into objects <laughs> while yeah. I'm trying to eat my noodles. <laughs> yeah. While we're on the topic, trigger warning, uh, there's lots of gruesome Graphic, graphic, details, uh, um, sexual assault, uh, yes. suicide warning. There is a suicide I mentioned in this. Um, There's not really sexual assault. A lot of abuse. A lot of abuse. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's mainly it. It's just gross. It's <laughs> really graphic. If you have a weak stomach, you might want to just skip don't this just one. don't eat a snack with this one. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, get a drink instead. Have some tea. Have a hot chocolate. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Have a not, coffee. No, not hot chocolate. That's made with milk typically. I feel like uh, anyway, you want to get into it? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um so one of the major things that comes out of this, we're talking about Ed Gain by the way. Um and if you don't know who he is, you'll probably know who he is once we start talking about him. That's kind of how I was. Yeah. Um and my dad kind of figured it out too when I was telling him about it. Um and he is one of the biggest impacts on pop culture and horror to this date. Um, a lot of really famous things have been made after him. Um, Psycho, Norman Bates, has stemmed from that, is based on him. Uh, the Mama's Boy, The Killer Mama Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bates Motel is a great show. It's a great spinoff if you want to watch that. Um, the uh, Texas, the Texas, Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote TCM, so I was like, uh. <laughs> the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface, the like skin wearing he does is based on him. Um, and... Also, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. It rubs the lotion on its skin or it doesn't get... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that guy um, are all based on him. Um, And so I won't say this part because it kind of ruins the whole story. But we'll just kind of jump into it. Um, This case kind of brought wide fascination and horror while those of the small town were dumbfounded because... This kind of like really just took him for a loop. Like they knew he was a weird guy, but they didn't really expect him to be this disgusting. Like (laughs) I don't think anyone could ever expect someone that they live next to to be this gross. Um, Much less these specific things being found in his house. (laughs) Yeah, I have a... I have two different things that I read from. Um, well, two now. It was originally just the last podcast on the left. I've mentioned it before. They're great. Um, I pull stuff from their book very often. Um, and then I also got the big book of serial killers um, by Jack Rosewood, which is also great. Um, it has a lot of serial killers I've never heard of, which is awesome. Um, and also it has a lot of facts about them. So it's really cool. It's like a nice brief summary of a serial killer. Um, so I'm pulling from that today just to put that out there. Um, but 
The uh, Midwest in the 50s is associated with plain informality, um, but it was really a violent place to be in. Um, <laughs> the Mainly the 50s through, like, I feel like the 90s yeah. was, like, the hardest hit for the Midwest because a lot of the serial killers are from the Midwest. <laughs> um, oh, that scares me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they, they bring up people like Charles Starkweather, Carol Ann Fugate, and... Um, Ed Gein, and they were the major people in this time that kind of brought the violence to the Midwest. Um, so he also doesn't technically qualify as a serial killer. He only actually killed two people. He just was a chronic grave robber. <laughs> um, so he doesn't qualify with the um, federal definition of a serial killer, which is like multiple killings in one place or within a specific time period. Um, and they were years apart too. So yeah. like he really doesn't fit it, but they put him in there because the things he did was just so horrible that it could justify being a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was born into a very abusive and unhappily married household. Um, Edward Theodore Gain was born in 1906, and his brother Henry was born in 1902. Um, the mom didn't want two boys. She got two boys. Um, so she decided she was going to raise them as best as she could and as Christian as they could be. Um, and she was named Augusta. The father was George. <laughs> and she basically terrorized while also protecting her children from like the sinful world around them. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very isolated type of childhood. Um, he, she once told him that only a mother could love him because um, she found him. I forgot what, what he did. He stole something, I think. And he said, you poor... Um, you poor soul, only a mother could love you. So, like, implying that he's an unlovable um, person and that the mother is the only person who will ever yeah. care about him. Um, the family opened up a general store in La Crosse, um, but then in the 1914, uh, they decided that the town was too full of sin and, um, like, basically, to put it kindly, whores, it was full of a lot of sex and... Um, just bad things she thought her kids didn't need to be around um which it wasn't but you know it, yeah. it's fine it's a part of her delusion um and they moved to a 195 acre farm which is huge <laughs> um outside of plainfield wisconsin and she thought this would save her boys from the troubled world basically um and she said it was because of all the transgressive ideas on the harlots in the world. So, like I said, ors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she had a thing, I think, deep down, like, I'm going to bring this up now because, like, I'm going to forget about it again. But basically, I think that Augusta um, suffers from some kind of either trauma involving a woman or she was a closet um, homosexual uh, because she had such a strong hate towards women. Mm -hmm. And she despised women anything involving women she made herself to be like the virgin mary basically of women and the savior and the best woman alive and she yeah. would just like talk shit about women constantly she wouldn't let her boys be involved with women like i think she deep down was probably closeted a little bit mm -hmm. and used religion as an excuse to like hide that and say like she couldn't possibly be that way because she's a good christian yeah whatever she <laughs> did say all women were prostitutes excluding herself she was the only one on this planet that was not a prostitute 
yeah, she did not encourage her boys to go get married or be with women. Like they didn't, they weren't even allowed to have friends. So, um, she had a very manipulative and, um, controlling mother style. Um, she just, she was a horrible woman. Um, which means that Ed didn't really need anyone to discover his own body. So he <laughs> got very bad developmental results out of the, his childhood. Um, and when he was 12, his mom caught him masturbating in the tub. So instead of scolding him or walking out like a normal mom would do, she uh, reached down and grabbed his genitals while scolding him for falling prey to the curse of man. You know, at this moment, <laughs> I really wish like we had video footage because <laughs> my face was... Uh, what (laughs) i'm sorry augusta (laughs) um and george on the other hand was a deadbeat dad he was so unhappy with his life that he took it out on his kids he beat them senseless um ed talked a lot about it in his uh therapy later on in life that sometimes he would just have his ears ringing days after a beating like he just beat the living daylight out of his children like he did not love his children the children didn't love him not even his wife loved him so Um, He was also an alcoholic. mm -hmm, And he was a very lazy man. Like, they originally opened the shop together in lacrosse, and she was like, you're a deadbeat. I'm going to run this place myself. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So she... uh, They just didn't have a good marriage, and they never considered divorce, but they also never basically left home. So they were just... It was just a horrible, toxic environment to be in. Um, And this also meant that... Ed never developed socially, and um, like I said, she didn't let them have friends, and she shut down any time. Like, sh- she would make up some excuse to why the family wasn't good, and he would just go along with it, because when you're a kid, you don't know any better. Yeah. Um, so, people in his class did report, like, sociopathic behaviors, though. Um, he would be mimicking behavior and expressions and kind of just wear a weird grin on his face all the time so he was just he didn't know how to act around people it was kind of like jeffrey dahmer if you've seen the movie dahmer you see him do this um but that's sociopathic tendencies so um i genuinely think he had that more than schizophrenia but that's just me um he also had some physical impairments um he had a droopy eyelid um a lesion on his tongue which caused speech impediments and this meant that he was consistently bullied not just for being weird but because he was basically seen as a disabled person and they bullied him for it um and this essentially solidified augusta's word that life outside of the farm and her protection were unkind and sinful um so the people around him didn't exactly help with this either (laughs) um Family time, you're going to love this one, family time consisted of Bible readings in which focused on the filthiness of women, making her seem like the only good one that existed. Yeah. Um, She also took the liberty of instructing the boys on masturbation because that sin is preferable to the touch of a woman. What? What? Most mothers would choose to not have this conversation with their children. Or not tell them how to do it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, she had a serious problem with women. I don't know what it was. Um, she just had a serious problem with women. Um, 
Anyway, <laughs> so George's drinking <laughs> caught up to him, and he died in 1937, I think, of a heart attack. Um, his family despised him and said he died of weakness, and he was basically in hell. She said he was in the rivers of whatever. Like she the got really sticks. <laughs> she she was talking about basically he's in hell. Like she yeah. hated her husband and whatever. No one cared. Basically, no one really came to his funeral either. Um. So then. Ed became the local babysitter, and his brother was a foreman for construction crews. Um, And while he was anxious around adults, he was great with kids. And I think this stems back to his developmental issues. Um, He might not be fully developed in his brain well enough to associate with adults and complex issues, um, which is common with uh, stunted development. But I think that's why he got along better with kids. Mm And even though he was kind of off kilter, he was known for his good nature and trustworthy character. So no one really had an issue with him. They did give pause, though, um, because he had such a loyal devotion to his mom, but she didn't seem to have any compassion for him. Like, she loved him, but she didn't. (laughs) It was one-sided. Yeah. Um, And they didn't understand why he was so devoted to her, because everyone else saw through her and didn't like her, and he was the only one who really did. Yeah. Um, Not even Henry really liked her that much. Um, So the only conflict that Henry and Ed had, because they were really like good brothers, they didn't really fight. They lived a shitty life together. Like what else are you supposed to do if you don't even have a brother to rely on? Yeah. Um, But the only conflict they had was over their mother in their 30s. And Henry said that he was a little too devoted to her and it blindsided him and may have led to his first mental breakdown and murder. But we don't entirely know if this is confirmed or not. But on May 16th, 1944, um, Ed showed up to Plainfield in a panic saying Henry went missing after a fire got out of control. The fire spread to the pine trees and Ed fled to safety and said it was too dark to look for Henry alone, which if there was light of a fire, it wouldn't be that dark. Um, (laughs) And he came to get help. And so the search party was expecting to search literally all night for Henry. But instead, Ed took them to exactly where the body was. And um, when they asked him how he found his body, he shrugged and said, funny how that works. Um, Nothing was confirmed that uh, Ed killed him, but he was suspicious. Uh, He wasn't burned despite being found on scorched earth and had a bad bruise on his head. So... The town believed that Ed was harmless and never considered him a suspect in this, despite the very concerning evidence. (laughs) Yeah, like, okay, your brother was missing, but you showed us exactly where he was, and he he was not burned, even though he went missing in a fire? Yeah, and the, the ground he was found on was scorched from a fire, but he was completely unscathed, besides the lump on his head. Yeah. So he probably died from being hit with something so hard. Yeah, and despite... The bruises covering him, the death was still ruled as an accident. And I'm pretty sure that um, in Bates Motel, something similar to this happens. I think he just punches him, though. Like, they get in a fight, and his brother, like, restrains him mm-hmm. <laughs> because he his brother did not care for his mother. Um, but in, the, uh, in Bates Motel, it's a little different because his mom's name is Norma, and that's why she named him Norman, <laughs> and uh-huh. he was the mama's boy. Um, and I don't remember his brother's name exactly. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's really good. It's very similar to this. Um, anyway, (laughs) so Augusta had a minor stroke not long after Henry died. Uh, and this kind of put her off 
for a while. She was kind of bedridden and Ed took care of her. Um, but despite that, it didn't get him any better treatment from her. She was still a crotchety old bitch. <laughs> so um, in August 1945, they drove to a neighbor's house to purchase livestock. And when they got there, they saw the man beating a puppy basically to death. And his living, his girlfriend that lived with him was screaming for him to stop. Augusta was so upset that they lived together out of wedlock and went on about their immorality for a week until a brain vessel burst and she died of a stroke at age 67. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't upset about the dog or the fact that a man was beating an animal. She was upset because they lived together out of wedlock. Yeah, I'm sitting here like that poor dog, like <laughs> about to cry. And it's like she had a stroke because she was mad they were... to living together out of wedlock. Yeah, she literally had a brain aneurysm. Excuse me, woman. (laughs) You literally basically killed yourself over stressing over the fact that two people were living together before they were married. Maybe they couldn't afford to get married. Yeah. Hop off their dick, Augusta. Marriage is expensive. (laughs) Who needs labels, first of all? (laughs) Like, I get it. The the 40s was a little different, but still. Um, And this kind of had him go into a weird spiral. Um, No one really showed up to our funeral. Shocker, I know. Yeah. Um, and he was all alone, really. Um, Henry was gone. His mom was gone, which left him with a farm and nothing to do. Um, in the serial killer encyclopedia, I actually read this before you came, uh, he got money basically from the government for something involving farmers. I don't know okay. if they still have it, but at the time they did. And he did some like handiwork as well. Um, I know he still watched some of the neighbor kids every once in a while, but anyway, he was alone a lot, (laughs) which meant that he had to find a hobby and a lot of his time was spent to reading and just being a weirdo basically. Mm -hmm. And this developed, um, his kind of want to discover more about the human body. And it was based off, um, Ilse Koch. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Or the bitch of, uh, Buckenwald. Uh, who saved the tattoo skins of concentration tam- victims and used them as lampshades. Specifically, their numbers on their arm um, was what he did. And he was fascinated. <laughs> he okay. also um, read stories about 18th century medical students who robbed graves to sell corpses to med schools. Um, and he also owned a Grey's Anatomy book, and the only chapters read were on the human head and the female reproductive organs. He told his psychiatrist later on that his interests in the body were completely scientific and not sexual. Mm-hmm. But uh, he also said he wanted to be a doctor post-arrest. And it doesn't really explain the way that he did things. Um, it kind of explains why he was inspired to do the things he did, but not explain away what he did. <laughs> so um, everyone kind of liked him and accepted him, even though he tended to be very socially awkward. Uh, he would talk in length about marriage and murders from his collection of true crime magazines. And I mean, like, he would go on and on about it. I also have a sticker on my foot. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I thought my foot was, like, <laughs> I thought my foot was going crazier. Um, but, yeah, so you would have these really weird conversations, and no one really thought anything of it. Uh, they just were like, okay, yeah, that's great. I'll see you next week, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he started to demonstrate signs of schizophrenia around a year after his mom died. And you get, this is also in, uh, I've never seen the original Psycho. I know like that's a really classic horror movie, but I've never I, seen it's it. It's okay. I haven't seen it either. Um, well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> You're not a big like older movie person. I've I feel seen like. a lot of the classic horror movies. I've seen, um, American Psycho, 
but I haven't seen the original Psycho. I'll add it to the list. We'll (laughs) get to it. (laughs) But in Bates Motel, he, Norman starts to kind of spiral the same way that Ed did. And I think it's like, it's a really great representation of what happened. I mean, it's obviously completely wrong, but it's a really great, um, I think, reenactment of his mind. Um, So he basically would hear his mom's voice when he was falling asleep and would have visual hallucinations. And he also once had a hallucination of hundreds of vultures on a tree dripping with blood and viscera on also saw faces staring at him in piles of leaves. So I'm not saying he had schizophrenia, but like that is very schizophrenia ish, but that's like severe schizophrenia, which I don't know if it's stemming from grief or I'm not sure. He spent a lot of time alone, which can cause people to see things that aren't there and develop. Yeah, I know like trauma or like a huge loss can awaken schizophrenia in a person. Yeah. I, this is why I'm like, I don't know if he was schizophrenic or not entirely because he, don't you even think about what I think. I think you know what I'm thinking about (laughs) and I just had an epiphany, but. (laughs) But I think he was also sociopathic. He didn't understand human emotion. He didn't know what was right or wrong. He just did what he wanted to do because he felt like it. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so he wanted to experience a woman's body, but not sexually because he doesn't know how to interact with them. Um, and Instead of holding a conversation with a woman or paying for services um, to contribute to the wickedness um, and sin of society, hiring a hooker, (laughs) he decided he was going to go grave robbing. (laughs) I don't know how one goes to the other, but uh, he would go to graveyards on a full moon, which is kind of sketch if you ask me, um, and even made around 40 visits to the Plainfield, Hancock, and Spiritland cemeteries in a five-year period, which is a lot of visits. (laughs) So he also, apparently, I didn't know this, and this is really weird, um, he tried to resurrect his mother, but apparently never made it past the wishing stage. Uh, He supposedly dug her up and placed her in their shared home but i don't think her body was found so that could be a myth okay that is a that is a base motel thing Uh, (laughs) except he acts as if she's still alive and he has this like i'm not spoiler alert by the way (laughs) um he has these like visions that she's real but he's talking as if he is her so he's kind of got the two personalities he kind of has like a split personality going on you know before you (laughs) mentioned that i was like i wonder if it's like the weekend at bernie's type thing (laughs) yeah he like literally would pretend that she was alive her dead body is in the house like smelling up the place yeah and um he would like pretend he was her and like soothe himself by like pretending she was still there it was (sighs) really weird it's really weird it's the last season of the show very strange (laughs) kind of like really threw me through a loop um yeah (laughs) but yeah the first grave that was dug up was eleanor adams who was the grave next to augusta's and reminded ed of his mother Mm -hmm. uh she tried he tried to pray the (laughs) gay i'm sorry (laughs) hold on (laughs) he tried to pray away the grave robbing um, and it almost never worked, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he only came out of his haze, as he called it, once, and he fixed the grave and just, like, dipped. <laughs> so uh, he had some issues. And I do not mean pray the gay away. That is not something I stand no, for. No. <laughs> it is just something that came out of my mouth because it was, like, pray the grave robbing and yeah, association. Anyway. anyway uh, <laughs> Freudian slip. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and 
He also knew most of his victims, which sets him apart from serial killers because they typically don't know the people that they're killing or they don't know them yeah. well. They might have, you know, seeked out their victims ahead of time like Ted Bundy did, but they wouldn't be somebody he explicitly knew personally or yeah. interacted with on a daily basis. I mean, except for the grave wrapping, he would typically take, uh, not take, but... I guess take is a proper word. Uh, Middle-aged women who resembled his mother, and then he would take the bodies home, tan their skin, and make paraphernalia out of them. Oh, you don't even understand how much is coming for you. Uh, Do I? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) So the proximity to his victims, since he knew most of them, I think attributed to his guilt, because apparently he had a lot of guilt, which makes sense, because he didn't seem like a very bad person but I think something got to him (laughs) I don't know yeah but he would also return his the body parts that he didn't use to graves and just throw them in there but okay so the thing I don't get right as I was reading this I'm like how are the people who tend to graves like not noticing that things are I mean I know he went like after they were buried but how do people not notice that like the ground's been disturbed again? <laughs> like, you know, like it's pretty obvious yeah. if someone disturbs a grave. Like, yeah, it's just zombies. It's fine. <laughs> Especially the woman that was next to his mom. I think she was already dead or maybe she died the same day. But anyway, like, how do you not know? Like, where's the patrol that is yeah. there at night? Like, where is that guy? <laughs> because he very frequently went to graveyards and was never caught. Yeah. From my knowledge, I believe there's always someone at a grave site. Like there's a little house yeah like a a keeper or whatever yeah there's usually like security on bigger um graveyards and stuff like smaller ones probably not i mean this was a pretty small one but still like i feel like the people who are hired to do this would notice that graves are being yeah because they have to like keep the graves clean at least the ones that like you have to pay them to like keep your family's graves like and also like they bury them a specific way the same day so like it would be noticeable if the grave was disturbed because it's usually pretty neat and clean Mm -hmm. and I can guarantee that Ed was not that clean yeah (laughs) um so he this is the gross part so he would also harvest skin in what he called an apple pie order where he would take strips from the back of corpses kind of like how you lay them over a pie (laughs) 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 I don't know where he got the apple part because usually apples are like yellow and skin's like and I mean underneath is like red and disgusting I would get like cherry pie order but apple pie just kind of hit different (laughs) kind of grossed me out of apple pie for a while yellow after death a A little bit but if they're fresh they're still juicy and meaty and red (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) um he claimed, despite how often he went to the graves, um, that he was only nearly caught once. And it was by a couple who stumbled into the graveyard, just, I'm guessing, trying to find a place to hook up, honestly. Oh, boy. I don't know why you do that in a graveyard, but, I mean, to each their own. Everyone has, and we're not kink and shame in here, but <laughs> try not to do it on Grandma's um, grave, okay? I would not do it at a graveyard. Don't want to piss off the spirits. <laughs> Uh, also, like, I barely step on, like, in front of the graves where the body's buried. Oh, yeah. Because step I'm afraid. <laughs> so I don't think I'd find myself doing that in a cemetery, literally ever. But teach their own, like I said. Um, so then they talked a little bit about the macabre objects that were found. And, like, obviously there's more than this. But 
at the time, this is what they talked about. And he contributed this skin collecting to uh, four chairs of human skin that were stuffed with human fat. Disgusting. <laughs> and um, a bed frame with skulls on each post. And he had four vulva, 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 and a... It was oh? it, the plural is vulva, but oh, okay. I, it said vulvas, I think, in the in yeah, the book. So I'm confused. Anyway, in a box, <laughs> just in a save it box. for save it for later. Yeah. Um, he also never had sex with corpses because he said they smelled bad, which is why mm-hmm. I think it's kind of inaccurate that they call him a necrophiliac because he was into the dead things, but he was never sexually yeah. into not dead things. He was just a weird, obsessed uh, body grave robber. <laughs> Yeah. He was a he was like I said he's a chronic grave robber, who had a fast a disgusting and deadly fascination for the human body, um, but other than that, I mean, he didn't really have sex with the bodies. He didn't find them attractive. He didn't even want to have sex with women. Like no, he, but later on, he did want to be a woman at one yeah. point. He wanted to make a woman suit. Yes, <laughs> which is why um, I don't think he could be fully considered a necrophiliac, even no. though he had tendencies of a necrophiliac. He had necrophiliac tendencies. He just wanted to transition and did it in a really... Which is why I think it's it's way. harmful when his mom was like, no women, no women. And he's like, but what is a woman? Because yeah. he didn't even know what it was like to be a woman or involved with a woman or even talk to a woman yeah, because he, he wasn't allowed to. Yeah. The only woman he knew was his mother, and I would not say that's a good representation. Some people say that he wa- he built the woman suit to be his mother. Um, that makes it worse. <laughs> which I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, because um, later on in police custody, he was asked really strange questions. Like, one of them was, did he ever put the vulva on his penis? And he's like, sometimes, probably. Like, <laughs> he wouldn't do that if it was his mom. Yeah. Um, like, I can see the, like, in Norman I mean, Bates, the Norman Bates style, like, wanting to be his mom, but, like, missing his mom. But I don't think he wanted to be his mom. <laughs> like, in her skin. I didn't think yeah. he wanted to be that. But, like, also, like, say that is true. And, like, the vulva part, like, she did tell him how to do his yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that's true. And she did... He seemed kind of confused about what he did and didn't do. He was just yeah. kind of like, I did what I did. Like, like it was this is whatever. what happened. That is all I'm telling. <laughs> um, so this, as we led to, um, he started to become really fascinated with uh, Christine Jorgensen, who was the first male to female recipient of transition surgery um, in the 50s, I think. And it made him wonder what it was like to be a woman. Um, especially when he was a kid, he claimed he always wondered what it would be like to be a girl, um, which we don't know is if it's true or not. He might have just been fascinated with women and like made the connection or something. I don't know. Mm. But he made leggings out of skin, a tan vest out of a torso with breasts included of a woman. Um, and on full moons, he would wear this and play a drum out of human skin and a jawbone mallet. Um, and this outfit was durable because sometimes he would go grave digging in it. <laughs> Okay, so the full moon thing. How has no one caught him? The full (laughs) moon thing just throws me through a loop. I wonder if, like, he had found some old occult book and was like, oh, I mean, he did read a lot of weird shit. Like, he read a lot of crime and, like, (laughs) but, like, if he read stuff about crime and, like, cults, and, you know, I think the Manson cult was what, the 60s, 70s? Yeah. Um, You know, he probably read about some of that shit, but I don't know if the full moon is just, like, 
the justification or if it was just like a wild night, like gotta live it up, you know? Cause I mean like a lot of old literature talked about like witches and full moons and stuff like that. So maybe he was trying to like have a ritual to become a woman. I don't know. Yeah, he tried to resurrect his mother. Yeah. So I, you know, he was probably into like, he found some weird book and he was like, we're going to try it. We're going to resurrect mama because I miss her. Yeah. <laughs> but also I want to be my mama. I love the accent you gave him. <laughs> He's from Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> there's no accents in Wisconsin. There's an accent. It's just in not very that. northern Wisconsin. There's accents. But. <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he also tended to make masks and he kept four of them on the wall and he would switch between them just depending on what he wanted to do. And fun fact, he also had a box of noses. Yeah, yeah, for, four noses. You can change your nose and you can change your clothes. <laughs> okay, this is not the time to be bringing Hannah Montana. <laughs> his his theme song. Uh, thank no. you. <laughs> no. I appreciate your contribution. Copyright. To this <laughs> it's not copyright. I'm copywriting it. <laughs> the Ed Keenan anthem. Um Anyway, leading on to his first victim, um, Mary Hogan, uh, she ran the local bar called the Pine Grove Tavern, and it was rumored that she was involved with the mob at one point and was a big city dame, basically. She was a big bad woman, (laughs) essentially. Um, And she very much resembled Ed's mom, and she Mm -hmm. was always sweet to him, which probably didn't help. Yeah. He claims that she was the mirror image of his mother, but had the opposite personality because she was very sinful and dirty (laughs) and whatever, because she's a woman. Because she's a woman, yeah. Um, And on December 8th in 1954, at some point in her closing the bar, Ed took out his .32 caliber revolver and shot her. Uh, He claimed to have not remembered the murder, but confessed once the police found her head. Nothing was found but a pool of blood and missing cash. Uh, And when people would talk about it and kind of like what happened, Ed would always joke around saying things like Mary was at the farm and that he took her home. And like one guy was joking around with him about how if he didn't spend so much time gawking at her, she could be at home making him dinner. And he's like, she's already home. She's not missing. (laughs) Like just weird shit. Like really weird shit. Confessing to his crime without confessing. Yeah. Like he wasn't, he was being honest. Like he wasn't lying. He was like, she's there. And people just didn't think he was being serious. They just thought he was making weird jokes because that's such his behavior. Like boys will be boys. They'll make weird jokes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So no one suspected him again of the crimes, despite him, people knowing that he sat at the bar and just looked at her (laughs) for like hours. (laughs) And never talk to her. Yeah. It, that reminds me of some of the customers I had at Starbucks. <laughs> uh, so Bob Hill is a very important part of this story. Um, he was apparently one of Ed's only friends in his life. And he said that one time Ed showed him a pair of preserved heads that he said a cousin picked up from the Philippines during World War II. The Hill family just kind of brushed it off and like, yep, that's something a weird guy would have in his house and just left it alone. They never asked any questions. They believed him, had no questions, but they saw people's heads (laughs) in his house. They're like, yeah, that's, and didn't ask that's questions. about right. That that sounds like Summer, it. no offense. If I walked in your house and you had human heads, I'd be I like. I would not have a human head. <laughs> and be like, um, this has been great. <laughs> you will be featured on the next episode. <laughs> I'm blocking your number. I'm moving to Canada and we're never talking again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would not have a human head. We're going to put that on the table. I might like bones that are given to me ethically. 
But they're animal, typically. They're, so. They are only animal. <laughs> do insects have... No, they don't have bones. They do have they? ectoskeleton. That's true, so it's not really bones. No. Uh, uh, never mind. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> so, Ed said that if his neighbors took a little more interest in his life, that none of these terrible things would have happened. So he's deflecting his responsibility yeah. on the fact that he did horrible things because he didn't get enough attention, which stems back to his mother and the neglect and the abuse and the manipulation, which is in turn not his neighbor's responsibility to deal with. Um, it's uh, his. He needs therapy. <laughs> <laughs> he is at fault for his own crimes. And that is that. Yeah. Um, so this led to his second victim, Bernice Warden. Um, Ed tend to hang around her hardware shop. And he would ask her out numerous times to different things like movies or the skating rink. Um, and she was really weirded out by it. She told her son about it. And he knew that he, would, he was really weird and was like hitting on his mom. Um, and he claims that he was just joking around. But he obviously wasn't. <laughs> and... Yeah. Um, she resembled Augusta, but she was also a sinner because she stole her husband from another woman, and that woman wound up committing suicide. So it is basically on her hands and was seen as filth, basically, to Ed, because his mother instilled that in him. So on November 16th, 1957, all the men in the town were off of work for the day because it was the start of the hunting season, and they all were going to hunt deer. Um... Ed showed up at the store at 8 a.m. in the morning with an empty jar asking for a refill on antifreeze because apparently she was having a sale. And he asked for a new rifle as well and asked for the one that was behind her on the wall. Um, While Bernice was turned, uh, she said something about Chevrolets or something that she didn't like them. And he loaded a .22 caliber in his gun and shot her in the head while she was turned away like a coward. (laughs) Yeah. And he claimed it was an accident as he was testing if his preferred bullets would fit the rifle and it went off suddenly. Um, There was a massive pool of blood found, which indicated that there was more than a gun wound. Uh, So they think that in correlance to the hunting season, when you um, hunters will sometimes cut the necks of deer in case they don't die or to put them out of their suffering, whatever the case is, it's really messed up, honestly. But they think that he slit her throat before taking the body and the cash register because why not steal everything? And went to her truck, drove to his farm, and left his left the car there and went back to town to get his car by walking, (laughs) which would have taken a while. Um, and then went back to his house, decided to string up her body by literally forcing poles and strings and shit into her body and hung her from the ceiling and basically butchered her like an animal, cut her open, took the insides out, cleaned her out. Um, and he claims to remember nothing. Um, so then the son, Frank, Uh, returned to the shop to find all the blood and his mother gone with a receipt for Ed and his antifreeze on the counter. And um, this caused a panic (laughs) because he's like, oh, that weirdo, what did he do with my mother? So um, moving to the present tense, um, Ed was asked to help with car trouble by Bob and Darlene Hill um, to fix a battery or something. And he walked out of the house covered in blood. I believe only his hands were in blood, but I can imagine there'd be more in other places. I mean, he just butchered a woman. Um, 
and he said he was butchering a deer, but he would come help them with anything they needed. So he was invited to stay for dinner, and as he was eating, um, one of the brothers came in the house and said that there was a huge fiasco going down at the store, and Ed and Bob both jumped up ready to go see what all the action was about. (laughs) I guess they must have bonded on true crime or something. And um, they went to go warm up the truck because it was November. Remember, it's Mm -hmm. very cold in November up here in the Midwest, um, especially where that is. And so they were warming up his truck to go see what was going on. And before they got the chance to even leave... Um, Officer Dan Chase and Pokesby's pulled up and asked Ed to come with them in the car, where they then questioned him about his whereabouts for the day twice. And while he told his side, his stories didn't match up, and Detective, or Officer, I should say, Officer Chase called him out for it. And then Ed blurted, somebody framed me before anyone even mentioned Bernice or what happened. Mm-hmm. Basically making him already guilty. Yeah. But while he was being questioned at the... Uh, Hill House, <laughs> Netflix Hill House. <laughs> anyway, while he was being questioned at the Hill House, uh, police were investigating his home. Uh, Bernice's body was discovered after an officer brushed past her body in the dark because his power was still cut off. Mm-hmm. So they were walking around with flashlights and he just bumped into her like he was walking through a butcher freezer and was like, oh shit, <laughs> Bernice! Bernice. <laughs> Um, and they found her body pieces throughout the house and they were still warm. So they knew that, uh, it was her. Um, this is when the cannibal rumors started because her heart was found in a bag by the stove and they thought, um, that he was eating his victims. But in reality, it was very unlikely that he ate his victims because he didn't really kill anyone (laughs) and he usually robbed already deceased people and if he didn't want to have sex with them why would he eat them yeah um they also found her head between two mattresses um being prepped to be hung for a trophy like a little like those weird little dolls from like uh, scooby-doo you know what no, i'm talking about no <laughs> the I, little I know to keep away the uh. <laughs> to keep away the monsters uh. but like a real version yeah <laughs> not like a fake doll version <laughs> so while the police were investigating or Going through his house, they found numerous things, some of the stuff that we have already mentioned prior. Uh, They found four noses, whole human skeletons, nine masks uh, made of human skin, bowls made of human skulls, ten female heads with their tops sawed off, human skin covering chairs, uh, Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag, Mm -hmm. like you said, Bernice Warden, in many places. (laughs) Nine vulvas in a shoebox, skulls on his bedposts, organs in the refrigerator, a pair of lips on a drawstring for a window shade, a belt made from female nipples, and I feel like this is one of the things that everyone knows about. Like, this is one of his, like, number one things. I didn't know that, but it is his most trademark yeah. thing. Because every single victim, he took their nipples, except the woman's suit, apparently. Yeah. It was the only pair that he didn't put on a belt. Yeah. Which is gross. <laughs> I remember when, uh, when I was in forensics class, we had to do a project on a serial killer, and I was considering Ed Gein, because I was fascinated, because it was just so gruesome and interesting. I was like, ah, yeah, the nipple belt guy. He also had those gloves. Um, He also had a lampshade made of a human face. Yeah, I was comparing this in the in the serial killers books. They had this huge list, and I didn't have all of this from mine. Um, There was also a wastebasket made of human skin. Ah, which 
why that's so rude to that human (laughs) why (laughs) i know we're like literally like garbage cans but like why (laughs) um and he also had um a lampshade i think you said that with the human skin and fingernails from female fingers because why not take the fingernails too took their fingernails why not you took their nipples might as well take the nails um (laughs) <laughs> there was also, which I know you don't have, <laughs> um, Bernice's anus and vulva, which was still attached. So he just took out the full strip, full strip between the legs. He just took it all off. <laughs> and they were found in that box with all of the other vulva. And it had a red ribbon tied around it, making it different, which I, I don't know what he was planning on doing with that or why it was wrapped up maybe he was oh maybe he was finishing his suit <laughs> maybe, maybe it was the he finishing was. piece that oh no i feel like you're right honestly I didn't think about that until now but yeah. why was it tied with a ribbon why was it so different because he actually killed her like that doesn't make any sense because no. they all gonna look at the same he, the he had one one finishing piece for the suit and that was it his last victim he was like okay it's a perfect piece gotta put it all together this really makes a woman's suit Oh, why'd you have to say that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, so they also found uh, Mary's head, which was behind his bedroom door in a sack for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. just in case he needed something to hit with an intruder with, I guess, just like bash him with a human Because they're not going to get scared by the (laughs) house decor. (laughs) Um, And they also found the bowls that he used to eat out of. Um, anyway, so the only untouched room they found was boarded up and it was Augusta's bedroom and it was completely untouched. Everything was in pristine condition. Um, it looked like no one went in there since she died. It had dust everywhere. Like it was never touched again, which is weird because if he wanted to be his mother, wouldn't he have slept in her bed or something Mm -hmm. at some point? Um, so the cops at this point had assumed that Ed had killed at least 11 people with all the stuff they found. Um, and they didn't know any better until he confessed 30 hours into his interrogation um, that the parts didn't come from actual people. They came from dead people. I mean, they did come from, like, actual people, but they he were dead. He just didn't kill them. <laughs> yeah, they were dead already. Um, so he had no trouble talking about his projects, but claimed to have no knowledge about the murders, which is very suspicious, if you ask me, um, <laughs> because... I mean, yeah, there's times where people like black out, but he obviously had enough knowledge to know what he was doing because he planned it, you know. Uh, He was then, I mean, this is a little out of order. Stuff happened in the court as well, but he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and then was deemed unfit to stand trial. Um, Do you have anything else? Yes. Uh, He went on trial on November 21st, 1957. He was charged with first degree murder in... I'm going to say this wrong, uh, Washera, Washera County Court, and pled not guilty by reason of insanity. He he was then sent to Central State Hospital for the criminal, Criminally Insane in Wapen, Wisconsin, and was transferred to Mendota State Hospital, Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. In 1968, Gein's doctors found him fit enough to stand trial and was found guilty on a first-degree murder, but because he was legally insane, he stayed in the hospital. Uh, yeah, so in the serial killer uh, book, they actually talk a lot about it, which is weird because usually they talk about the trial at least a little bit in the book. 
Um, but this one says that he um, was only found guilty of one murder, even though he confessed to the other one, yeah. which was um, to Mary Hogan. But they only charged him with Warden because they found her body. Yeah, that's um, what confused me as well. I, was I mean, like, they found her head, but <laughs> like yeah. they found Bernice tied up, but they still found Mary's body in the house. Yeah. And he confessed to the murder, but he was never charged with that. He was only charged with living his entire life in a mental institution, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what I thought was interesting was, um, let's see, where is it? They, some somewhere I read this, they... Uh, Basically asked that there would be no jury. Yeah. So uh, he was determined mentally unfit in 1968, and his trial began on November 7th, 1968. It lasted only a week, and his defense team had requested there be no jury, even though he was found guilty on November 14th. Um, And that's when they charged him. But the weird thing is that they didn't charge him with two murders, because, like, why does that make a difference? Like, he was already being sent to a penitentiary, so, like, (laughs) what is the difference? You might as well, like, charge him for what he did. Um, but then he went on to die of lung cancer in, uh, 1984 on July 26th. Um, so he was buried in the Plainfield Cemetery and people started chipping away at his grave throughout the years. Um, and it was stored. Um, they, well, it's, it got stolen. The whole, the rest of it got stolen. They stole his whole grave (laughs) in the year 2000. And then it was recovered. In June 2001, and is now in a museum in Washera County. You want to go visit? <laughs> no, <laughs> I do not. Um, but the problem with all of this was um, Plainfield never forgave him for what he did, and mm-hmm. they never got over it, um, especially because it brought a lot of publicity to Plainfield, and it was a small town, and they didn't really want like a lot of outsiders, but it became a really big deal because of him, and they... he dug up people that they were you know their family and friends um and so they never believed his insanity defense either because they always thought he was weird but now they were like oh it it makes sense that he killed him but they never suspected him before so like what are we doing but they burned down his house the day it was supposed to be an auction the night before the day it was supposed to be auctioned off they burned down his house to the ground which is why you can't go see it um because i know we talked about it before yeah um, about going to see it because it might have been like a museum or um, just like where it would be like private property or something and at some point it was but then they burned down the house so that it couldn't be turned into a museum or kind of have this memory attached to it even though like the world will never forget this yeah. <laughs> because it is something that happened and it was horrible and he's the inspiration for a lot of stuff that's out now. I feel um, like the residents might have wanted to like erase physical memory yeah people still go to his like burnt down lot lot yeah like they still go there and it's still there it's private property technically i don't think anyone's allowed there um but people still go yeah um it was also in uh times most haunted places i don't know why because it's not even a place but (laughs) they had him on there and had like pictures of his house and it wasn't a very nice house like at all it didn't look like anyone could possibly live in it it looked like Someone had abandoned it and a homeless group of individuals lived in the house and just like made do with whatever was there. (laughs) Like that's what it looked like. Um, 
but yeah, it's, 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 I don't believe he was insane either. I think he had a lot of premeditation go into a lot of his stuff. Um, I think maybe his mental illness affected the trigger to kill them, but he definitely thought about them way too much. Yeah. I mean, especially with, uh, Bernice's death, he came in with a bullet, so he had of like, acknowledge and the he fact. told so he the day before i didn't mention this but the day before he asked frank um her son if he was going to be out hunting because he was going to go hunting yeah. and he was wondering like if he was going to go oh no he said he wasn't going to go because he w- he can't even like kill a squirrel because he like it made him woozy and stuff so he found out that frank was going to be gone so he knew that she was going to be alone in the shop yeah so basically he planned everything out and I bet if this was a trial today he would not be let off no. with insanity. Like, like he should have been in in jail with at least some kind of therapy going on. Yeah, I mean even if he was mentally insane then like they would wait until like he was close to symptom free and then he would be in jail not stuck in this mental hospital. Like he was saying all the other times yeah. he was just a disturbed individual yeah um and like with ted bundy and like all the other serial killers we've talked about most of them go on to help detectives or they just find out everything about them and like why they did what they did so they can kind of get more angles on people like this but they didn't do that they just had him work with a psychiatrist while he was basically standing for trial and then yeah they left him alone until he died of heart failure he also <laughs> he also said that the mental institution was a very nice place, but it's full of a lot of disturbed individuals. Yeah, which is interesting because even if you look up this mental hospital online, what it says about it, it's spotless. It says it's fantastic, and I believe the maximum occupancy, I, I'm saying it wrong, but you know what I'm trying to say. The maximum of people that are allowed there is less than 1,000, and when Ed Gein was there, it was over... 1,400 and people who lived in this town have heard stories about how awful this mental institution was and how awful they treated the patients. But like you made a suit out of a woman's body and you go and yeah. You go and tell people that there's a lot of disturbed people there as if you're like not you're one, one of them. Like <laughs> you're one to talk. You're one to talk. You're probably Edward. the worst one there. Yeah. Like Oh, this man, I, I can't. And if it gives you anything, just like go watch Bates Motel. I know I spoiled the ending, and but it's, it's a great show, yeah. and it really kind of shows very similar, like parallel storytelling on his life. Um, and it's kind of scary, actually. Um, but it can show how like a manipulation and overprotectiveness can really affect your development, which is a huge thing. Um, don't use your religion as an excuse to. <laughs> Protect your children from the sinful world because they will turn out like Ed Gein. <laughs> or something close. Maybe maybe they won't make a woman's suit. Just just raise your child like a normal person. Um, obviously, raise don't let them, them run free, human. but <laughs> just raise them like a normal person. Yeah. Um, and don't be overprotective and not let them have friends because that will affect them as well. <laughs> yeah. The more we do research about serial killers, it's like, okay, so they were sheltered as a child or they had a controlling parent or an abusive childhood. No, they all do. And it, it, childhood development is super important, which is like a huge thing that I am like a huge advocate for in my field because your development affects everything in the rest of your life. Like it can be reversed later on, but 
if it's so damaged, it's so hard to come back from something that has physically altered your development. Like it's, it's so hard to get back from. And he was just one of those people. Do mm-hmm. I think he was insane? No. Do I think he was really weird and fucked up? Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. But he deserved to rot in jail. So that's all I have to say about him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like there's not really much left to say besides that. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't wear nipples on belts. Not a trend. I feel like trend. that that's not something that needs not to be a trend. said. <laughs> but it, it was said. Pizza nipples on a belt. Um, New fashion. Just stick trend. with um some classic uh two thousand stud belts. <laughs> yeah, wear like a butterfly on your belt or something. Yeah, uh, my be belt my belt has a chain. You could do that. Or you could just not wear, wear a belt. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, thank you again for listening and being with us again for another episode. Um, we love you and we will see you next week.